1: Hello, and welcome to the Voice of Reason podcast. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's guest is Felicia Killings, who is one of the founding members of the Conscious Conservatism Movement, or Conservatism Movement. That word slips me up sometimes. Felicia has been speaking about what it means to be a conservative, and furthermore, what it means to be a conscious conservative and a black conservative since the election of Donald Trump in 2016. Since then, that community has grown and has sparked quite a bit of dialogue within the conservative side of the spectrum about what black Americans um, are trying to do, which is to generate wealth and to uh, base their lives on solid conservative values. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself, and I felt like I just did that. So let us let Felicia Killings speak to us about this movement. You can find links to her work down in the description. Bright mind, incredible spirit. I'm uh, very honored to have her on. And uh, the Zoom meeting kind of cut out her projections about what's going to come down the pipes next week. So I guess we're going to maintain our state of suspense. But if you're already on the other side of next Tuesday, then what do you have to worry about? Without further ado, here is Felicia Killings. I kind of want to just talk about this conservative network, but we can go wherever you want. I'm really interested in exploring conservatism. I'm kind of a centrist myself, and I've been studying... Uh, the pitfalls of the left, uh, so-called. Okay. uh, But I want to move into more uh, constructive territory and uh, Mm -hmm. kind of just investigate what what kind of currents are going on um, Mm -hmm. over there. And so you run a network. What's the – it's Conscious Conservatives or –
0: Right, yeah. So um, I am the visionary behind the Conscious Conservative movement, and um, what we do is we, we have our roots based in uh, spiritual laws and principles. In other words, we are foundational in that area of um, doing things God's way. And we inject these spiritual principles into society, politics, and economics. So we have a network um, at ConsciousConservatism.org. And this network is, um, it's, a, it's a social network. So the way we fellowship on Facebook or Twitter, um, we can also, oh, can you still hear me? We're good? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, okay, good. Um, We can also fellowship in there, like doing um, posts and whatnot. But basically we work, uh, my network professors and I, we share different lessons related to the constitution, um, related to media, black history, um, pretty much whatever it is that conservatives are looking to learn more about. We provide these lessons and teachings inside there that's exclusive to them. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what the network is about. And, This year, this upcoming year, we are working with individuals who want to run for office. So we're gonna help them in terms of creating a really successful communications campaign um, and really leveraging the social platforms so that they can garner donations and attention around their platforms. So that's the direction we're headed in for 2021.
1: And what's the pedigree of this movement? Where does it come from or what did it grow grow Mm -hmm. out of?
0: So um, back in, um, maybe I'll give some context for your audience. So in 2016, um, that's pretty much when I started to talk about black conservatism and really how um, these values inject themselves in our particular culture and how we've um, how we've used it in our daily lives. So what has happened, however, is within our Black conservative space, we had this break or what we call the civil war between individuals who are very much so pro-Black. In other words, we love being Black. We love Black history. Um, we love Black empowerment. We We really want to see or show how conservatism can go toe to toe with progressivism. And then you have those within our space who are more so into what I call the colorblind sector. They don't want to be called black. They just wanna be called American. They don't want anything to do with black empowerment. So we had that huge break and because of that, just the general term black conservative was just way too confusing. And so I said, well, I'm a conscious black conservative. I'm conscious of my blackness. I'm conscious of God's laws. I'm conscious of uh, black history. I'm conscious of all these things. And I'm showing how conservatism has always been embedded in black history and black culture since the beginning. So um, that's where the title conscious black conservatism came from, mostly because I was like, we have to differentiate between these two um part that parties within the party and um since that time really in 2019 i brought the movement over to twitter And it's just gained so much traction and attention from individuals who are like, yeah, you know, we should embrace our different ethnicities. We should embrace these good spiritual laws that, you know, help improve human behavior and interaction. We should be okay and conscious of this. And so, again, that's pretty much how it it spans. So, um, you know we take we don't just focus on politics although it's like 95 percent politics um (laughs) it's kind of hard to separate conservatism from politics but um we try to show that these various laws like the law of love the law, law of truth and justice how these things inject themselves in in our everyday lives so um that's pretty much a a long story behind how the movement pretty much launched itself and um since that time yeah we've we've just continued
1: growing do you mind uh giving me and my audience like a history of how uh conservatism Mm -hmm. has been Uh, at the bedrock uh, or Mm -hmm. really close to the center or the foundation of black history in in America?
0: Yeah, definitely. So when we're talking about conservatism, again, we're going back to these um, principles or values that We intend to conserve within our society. So, um, for for example, within the conservative movement, we always focus on the nuclear family, or we we focus on small government. You know, we don't want the government so involved with our lives. So these areas have always been embedded within Black history, within Black communities. If you um, study Pew Research, they just did um, a few. reports where they proved that Black Americans are among the most religious uh, group within America. In addition, they are um, about 68 percent are conservative or moderate. So this is just who we are. You know, Mm. Um, it goes back if you want to if you want to say, you know, black history in America starting in 1619 with the slaves and whatnot. Fine, we'll go there. We'll play with that number. Hmm. Even then, you had um, the slaves who were very much so affiliated with the Christian faith. So this is, like I said, this isn't anything new. It didn't come out of the sky and just hit us in 2016 when Trump decided to run for office. Hmm. Uh, No, this has been with us for centuries. And so these values that we have, our connection to uh, the spirit world, our connection to God plays out in everything. So it plays out in having strong families we we value having the father in the home we value having the mother we value even if there's a situation where there's single moms still you know we value investing in our children and being very much so a part of that these are just core principles that have always been a part of our communities and our ethnicity and so unfortunately within the general conservative Movement, which now I'm going to talk more about politics. Let me know if I'm
1: doing too much, okay? Okay, okay. Bring it.
0: The general conservative movement, which is primarily white, has a very distorted image of Black Americans. So a lot of them pick up their imagery from uh, conservative media outlets, which project Black people as committing crimes or single moms are just taking over the world and you know ruining kids lives they have all of these negative images of the culture and so those of us who are a part of this conscious black conservative movement are proving <laughs> without any doubt that no in fact there's this huge uh, surge of individuals who are in the home we have black men in the home we have entrepreneurs we have wealth flowing we have so many things that are happening in this time and in this space as a result of us tapping into what i call conscious conservatism so um i can't recall the question that you had asked i I, I like to ramble sometimes but uh, (laughs) hopefully i was
1: Uh, we're kind of positioning your movement within uh, history and within the, per, uh, the current political uh, place, like where it is right yeah. now on the right. And I guess there's a lot of different onion layers to go through. Yeah. And kind of feel free to jump back and forth to the different. Okay. Um, to yeah, different. So um,
0: again, that's how we are doing it now. As I said, the conservative movement is primarily white. But within the conscious conservative movement, we have, um, I would say we're about 65 to 70 percent white. And we actually have been attracting more black voters who are primarily Democrat voters. And they are very much so connected to they love the conscious conservative message. However, they just don't like the Republican Party. Hmm. So for a lot of us, we are um On one hand, we're trying to evangelize this really great empowering message to black voters. At the same time, we're trying to take over the Republican party because it's just completely inept. They are obsessed with nonsense and they keep pushing out stereotypes that push away voters from embracing conservatism. So um, we have this tug of war on, on both sides, but in the middle, and we have individuals who are accepting the message, both white and black. So that's why I say the movement has been growing and we've been getting a lot of attention, even from folks at the White House, um, just because we're getting results. Like like mm-hmm. I said, we're now at the point where it's about 30 percent of black people who are paying attention to our movement um, compared to, if you want to say the colorblind black conservatives who can't even manage to get black people to listen to them. So Hmm, um you know, we have those things going on.
1: This is a interesting uh kind of a I was I grew up I, I grew up really enmeshed in white suburbs and mm-hmm. I, I moved to Chicago. And I had uh, Chicago's a really interesting case because even though it's incredibly ethnically diverse, it's very yeah. segregated, even within mm-hmm. like European factions, within factions, it's okay. very segregated. Um, but I, I always focused more on the character of the person rather than, than the mm-hmm. color. Uh, right. I, over the last uh, three years, um, kind of being confronted with uh anti-racist ideas uh you know these mm-hmm. concepts of privilege and the stuff that's coming from the left I've had to yeah. really examine like where how should I be conscious of somebody's uh, mm-hmm. race of their skin? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm still resistant to letting uh, giving up my color blindness. Um, yeah. So how do, how does that how do you school me to like understand yeah. that that recognizing color is not an act of prejudice? It's it's an right. act of recognition. How does that work out?
0: Yes, so what we do is uh, in Twitter class, I teach beloveds that, um, hmm. and I call my audience beloveds. So I teach them that the same way that we value the essence of, you know, different cultures like the Jewish culture, the um, Asians, da 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 da, we value their culture. But anytime we push the word black, all of a sudden everybody gets weird on this Hmm. side and i said black is not the color of our skin it is an actual identity this is the name or the identity that we have ascribed to ourselves those of us who we would call the descendants of slaves we call ourselves black american or african-american whichever i said so in the same way that you would value the history of you know, let's say the Jews and all that they have gone through. Well, in like manner, we have in this country a very unique history that is very different from white Americans. So by telling black people that they should be colorblind and that they should ignore basically their history, our history and our culture, that's a slap in our face because we would never, we would never say to a Jew, we would never say to anybody else, forget everything that happened to you forget everything that happened to your ancestors get over it so that's the uh, struggle that a lot of white conservatives have had in terms of um, trying to maneuver through the colorblind phenomenon and i just tell them no this is more so about you appreciating the diversity that god has created and then allowing us all to celebrate our uniqueness um, and coming together on the basis of conservatism. So hopefully that answered.
1: It's it's a big topic. There's a lot of different ways to go. Um, one question that I would have is within the left or within certain portions of progressive ideology there is this game that is played and and i don't want to go too far with this and not everybody goes this way but there's this game between black victimization and white guilt and they play off of each other a lot (laughs) It's so how so does adult. conservatism deal with that or negate that or do yeah. do that relationship completely differently? Because there's a lot in black history and white and black history that's shameful, um, especially from the perspective of how the whites treated the blacks. So how does that be incorporated and updated?
0: You feel
1: there? I'm sorry. We keep. On there?
0: Oh, OK. There you are. <laughs> Gotcha. Okay, I think I understand your question. How do you how you do how do we deal with victimhood and white guilt? Yes?
1: Yeah, or how does conservatism itself cast that conversation differently?
0: Perfect. So, within conscious black conservatism, there is no embrace whatsoever of this victim mentality. I call it, the victim mentality is like self-imposed oppression. You're walking around and oppressing yourself every day because it's all up here in your mind. So it doesn't mean that when we're talking about our history, when we're talking about, for example, like slavery or Jim Crow or what have you, we're not saying, OK, well, we were victims within this country. Therefore, let's just go around and walk, you know, with this oppressive mindset. You know that's what it is it's a mindset instead we're saying look at how these folks overcame this atrocious system they did something they have some kind of mindset and that mindset is actually rooted in conscious conservatism when we go down and we break that down now when it comes to progressives they keep pushing like you're a victim you know or you're afraid black people are afraid of white people and yada 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 nobody no nobody is talking about that and so at least not in our space, because we understand if we allow those words to infiltrate our mind, it will actually cause us to oppress ourselves. So um, again, it's uh, it's more so in terms of how we view history versus how others on the opposing side view history. Um, I, I try not to tap too much into the mind of a white progressive, um, but just from from what why don't they have you want to
1: go there, Felicia? <laughs> <laughs> What's stopping
0: you? <laughs> I just because sometimes it's just like uh, like yeah, I think yesterday I shared a tweet where Chelsea I can't even think of the lady's name. She's the one who was talking about Fifty Cent. Um, She was saying in this video that um, black people are just everybody. They're all just afraid of white folks and they've been afraid for 400 years. And I'm just like, who gave this woman permission to speak for us? That's the part that baffles my mind is that they go into this um, where they feel like they are are our spokesperson and they're really not. So. That's them over there. And they do like to push that white guilt. But it's to me, I feel like it's profitable for them. You know, if we can Mm. make white people feel guilty about being white, then they'll give more money to organizations like BLM, which does nothing for black people. So um, Mm. what Mm. we do over here is we we change the discourse and we teach conservatives that look at how conservatism empowered black people during slavery or black people during reconstruction or black people during Jim Crow. Look at how this people group is still alive today, given all the hell they went through. It was the mindset. It was their spiritual connection. These things are what we want to preserve or conserve so that we can prosper in any kind of given situation. So that's Mm -hmm. how we, we address this topic. It's really coming from empowerment. It's coming from a strong mindset and as such the victim mindset it can't last here and the same thing with guilt nobody you know guilt is another type of self-imposed oppression so we don't push that we don't preach that over here either
1: how does uh, you say spirituality and i think Mm -hmm. you've used the word religion i'm assuming it's christianity and mm-hmm. uh, i when when i hear you talking there's a lot of images that are coming up in my from my subconscious about israel and and yeah. the way in which the old testament and then the new testament speaks about liberation speaks about justice yeah. is that are is are some of the principles uh, really rooted in in those yes. histories
0: yes and i i make it a point not to call this a christian movement mostly because i'm not I don't like to even call myself a Christian. I'm a believer. I I know the Holy Spirit. I know the Lord. I have a relationship. So for me, I have to give credit to the person who inspired This entire movement. But I do tell people, because we have folks who are Muslim, we have folks who are atheists, we have folks who are agnostic, we have all types of individuals who come to my platform or who even join our network, because it's the spiritual laws that we teach, which are universal, like the law of love, the law of truth, the law of justice. These are things that every human wants to um, embrace. So it's not so much like I'm saying, Jesus I'm commanding you to be in my network <laughs> as long as you say Jesus is Lord. You know, I I, I don't I can't push that on them, but yeah. I can tell them, you know, the Holy Spirit is the one who gave me this inspiration. Mm-hmm. I pulled a lot of my teachings from uh Yeshua or Jesus Christ. He's my teacher. I read the scriptures all the time and I'm like, that that principle is fire. I love it. Let me teach it over here on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So it just gives a more um open dialogue regarding how God functions. So um, if folks follow me on Twitter, they will always hear me talking about the Lord, but they don't run away. They're not like, they hmm. don't feel like I'm battering them with, you know, this Bible-thumping Christian message. It's just a it's a kingdom message that I continue to preach, and for that reason, people are being attracted to it.
1: Hmm. Could you, could we... Uh kind of navigate through those three universal laws, love, truth, and justice. Uh, I would like to go from love to truth to justice, and justice is a very um, important word because it is taken up by uh, the leftish stuff. They use justice a lot, so I want to trace how it builds from love to justice for you.
0: Certainly. So, um, the first law is the law of love. Everything that we do should come from this place of love. So, if I say that I love God then it's inevitable that I also love people and if I love people then I'm going to display this love in different ways so um, this love compels me to present truth uh, to folks and then it, this truth also compels me to seek justice for those who are experiencing injustices so um, let me see if I can give an example of something political. So uh, Democrats have created this policy called stop and frisk. And, um, you know, it's been unconstitutional, yada, 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 all kinds of different stuff. But I was telling conservatives, I said, listen, if you love God, then therefore you're going to love people. And if you love people, regardless of the color of their skin, regardless of their identity, Then if you see them experiencing an injustice like being pulled over for no reason or having their constitutional rights infringed upon them, then as someone who loves God, you're going to want to fight for that person's justice because that person is right now a victim of systematic or um, institutional oppression. So I try to show them how these laws pretty much interject themselves through us and that when we see a system or a policy that's directly um, oppressing, if you will, a people group, then we as conservatives, who say we love God, (laughs) have to be at the forefront fighting against injustices. Mm-hmm. So, um, hopefully, that explained just some of these things, um, some of the laws that we we preach over here.
1: Um, I want to get to how the Republican Party specifically uh, needs to change, um, and we're at the precipice. We maybe you know what's going to happen. Do you know what's going to happen next week?
0: I have an idea.
1: Do you have an idea? <laughs> Do- Okay, do we cut back? there? Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, okay. I hate it. I hate it when it cuts out your laughter. It's so oh. <laughs> alive.
0: <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you.
1: But I guess it was good. I guess we don't need to know what's going to happen next week. So it cut.
0: <laughs> yeah, I. I mean, I. I've been telling. I've been telling conservatives, I said, listen, our ideology is losing its impact. Now, even though the vast majority of Americans, according to research, are still holding to conservative values, um, our ideology is losing when it comes to spreading among younger generations. So a lot more younger folks are embracing progressivism and liberalism for whatever reason. I haven't studied them too much. And I said, but we have we have the most fundamental and prosperous ideology like how come we aren't increasing Hmm. and so um, i've told republicans especially those who work at the white house i said you guys have to do a better job of doing outreach especially to one of the most conservative voting bloc in this country black americans and so you, they, they don't want to do it. At the same time, you have those who are part of the Trump camp who do want to do effective outreach to different groups. Um, and it's it, even with that, it's a battle between the old guard and what actually needs to happen.
1: What has been your response and then the response within your movement of the uh, reaction, America's large scale reaction to the death of George Floyd and then all the protests? Mm. How has that looked to you? And how do you mm. think of that as an opportunity, uh, perhaps mm. or or something else?
0: Yeah, we talk about these different situations in Twitter class, like with mod, Arbery, um, different situations where we see black, particularly black men who are unarmed, but they are killed in police custody. Um, my, biggest, my biggest argument towards that is the state is killing American citizens without due process and if that person is not resisting then due process is in process (laughs) It, it has to function if it's going to if due process is given to us to all americans it has to also be applicable to black males so i come from that perspective i try not to play the race card as much as possible only because it doesn't really work for our side. I feel like the left has just crushed it when it comes to the race stuff so I'm like you know bring in just conservatism bring in the Constitution. The basic right of every American is that they would have due process if they are encountering the police or this criminal justice system. So that's how we have been able to um, to deal with the topic. And unfortunately,
1: I'm waiting for our audio to come back on.
0: Not again.
1: Yeah. I'm sorry. We're there. Yeah, okay. I think we're here. Are you in uh you're on the East coast, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of tubes between you and me. Some of yeah. them might be tied. <laughs> <laughs> and what about the protests and uh, mm-hmm. Black Lives Matter? You mentioned Black Lives Matter. It sounded like you're talking about the organization not doing much for yeah. uh, for Black people. Oh yeah. How does that need to change, or what's some of your crit- criticism or opportunity mm-hmm. that you see there?
0: Uh, with Black Lives Matter. Uh, when the people are on the ground protesting police brutality, I'm always going to support the people. I'm always going to stand by the community over the state. That's just going to be my position all the time. When we're talking about BLM Inc., the organization, they just raise a bunch of money um, and they don't distribute it to the community. It's not trickling down to them. Um, Mm -hmm. So at one point... um, I'm affiliated with different entrepreneurs and I was getting all these emails and they were telling me about how they're about to donate to BLM, the organization. I'm like, why are you donating to them? You know, you could donate to a black entrepreneur right there in your circle. And I just saw all of corporate America (laughs) giving millions and millions of dollars to this BLM organization and BLM is not telling anybody how this money is being spent. And I we all know it's not going to these communities. So I'm always going to have a problem with whenever corporations get involved with social justice issues when those when the funding isn't actually helping directly on the ground. So that's gonna be my 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 type of protest, if you will. But mm-hmm. having said that, I'm always going to support the people and their right to protest, their right to speak out against injustices, just because I'm always about the community itself. Um, My personal feelings about BLM is that I don't like how they keep pushing against Black heterosexual males. I don't like how, even on their organization, the website page, I think they took it down, but um, they were very much so against Black men in the home. They were very much so against um, you know, just black men all together. And they made a point to make that clear. And for that reason, I'm like, I can't support it because black men are so crucial to our community. So mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. I was speaking with uh, Julian Ace, um, Serd or Eckyard, mm-hmm. and And uh, I, I believe you guys know each other on Twitter. Well, that's mm-hmm. how I found you through him. Yeah. And he put these ideas in my head that really opened up a path forward because I've been again I've been studying uh, white fragility and anti-racism, mm-hmm. what's called anti-racism, and mm-hmm. uh, and underneath that is this stuff called critical race theory, uh, yeah. and underneath that is this Marxism stuff, uh, which really yeah. pits people against each other. And so I'm I, I'm watching it take over education in Washington. I'm yeah. watching it kind of. Get into government, and uh, we'll see what happens if and when Biden gets in. If that will take mm-hmm. uh, take precedence, and I, there's pro- I have problems with that. However, it's it's very good at facilitating, I guess, in a way, some form of reconciliation that America mm-hmm. could be performing with regards to race issues, or just recognizing mm-hmm. and kind of updating ourselves from the civil rights movement it might be the yeah. case that white america uh, at large has been frozen in uh the civil yeah. rights uh, it's like okay we're, yeah. we're done now we're post now yeah. and a lot of things have happened since then so this seems like an opportunity right now this historical moment for mm-hmm. this uh These dialogues and this uh, this consciousness, uh, for lack of a better term, to exert itself across our country. I think that critical race theory and its attendant ideologies are the opposite of. Mm-hmm. building harmony but when i was speaking to uh, julian i was like well the mm-hmm. way to defeat critical race theory is investment uh th- the mm-hmm. way it's not through these diversity boards these bureaucratic apparatuses mm-hmm. that teach white people all these trainings and you know they yeah. even you know they even segregate us into these different groups and then we have to have these caucuses and yeah. stuff i was thinking investment 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 that would cut the wind out of the sails of yeah. the, the people wanting to be on board of this stuff um yeah. I, so i'm kind of coming to you with that idea how do you see that working out and mm-hmm. how do we uh how do we get the word out on that what it, what what do you imagine that to be like mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. investment yeah in the black community
0: i i agree i think right now we're at this point where black americans are looking for tangibles and not just symbolism so it it doesn't really matter to us that the confederate statues are up or down it's a symbol but if you invest millions of dollars into hundreds of thousands of black businesses now we're talking tangibles and when our economics are fire when our economics are you know on point it's easier for us to have healthy relationships, and it's easier for us to take care of our children, and it's easier for us to not even pay attention to government at all. So at this point, we have a different generation than the civil rights era Black Americans. We're always grateful to what they did in terms of dealing with a lot of the social aspects but now it's time to confront it's now time for americans to confront the economics and so that's what we are actually seeing right now so black americans a lot of us are taking advantage especially millennials are taking advantage of the real estate industry we're taking advantage of the online space and building up online businesses and really crushing it because now we we have this these opportunities so when Trump is talking about his platinum plan, or when Biden is talking about his lift every voice plan, the plan has to include money. It has to include economics, and this is where I feel like the um, the shift takes place. So it's cool that bl- that white folks want to say, "Oh, let's recognize our racism." Whatever. <laughs> it's it's just symbolism. I mean, <laughs> you want to look in the huh. mirror. And you want to feel. Guilty, if you want to, yada yada, fine, who cares? But let's talk about economics. Let's talk about, um, you know, just being able to successfully build a business, let it grow in our communities, and keeping our money um, here so that we don't, so that our single moms don't have to apply to government for aid. They know that they can come to like the Felicia Killings Foundation, apply for some aid and get money for groceries. That's what we're trying to build over here. We're not asking white people to feel guilty. That's what progressives want them to do. They want to stick up here with the mindset stuff Hmm. as opposed to us on this side who are conservative saying, no, we'll take those tangibles. And so um, this is where we see a lot more sophisticated dialogue regarding reparations. A lot of times conservatives just cringe at that word reparations and it's like we're not telling you to give us your money. We're we're trying to tell you that the government needs to be held liable for the atrocities that it committed via policies and whatnot against Black communities. So um, it's it's kind of like when you, let's say there was a wrongful death suit. You know, you go to the courts, you get things done, and you get some kind of restitution or reparations. In like manner, the same thing will take place. So. It is, it, the tangibles is what's going to change the game, as opposed to a whole lot of symbolism, which mm-hmm. the left wants to keep, it wants to keep pushing out there because it's, it's emotion-based. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this keeps people angry. And if you're angry, you can't get anything done. So mm-hmm. what we try to do is we diffuse that anger, we channel all that energy in the conscious conservative movement, and we say, let's talk money. Let's talk family, let's talk um, some real solutions. And I, I'm, I'm going to go out on, on a limb and say, this is why our movement has really grown because we focus so much on solutions as opposed to talking points or um, emotional nonsense. Uh, we just get down to the point and say, look, this is how we can succeed. Oh, if they wanna be racist over there, have fun. Go shoot your animals, go do whatever, have fun. We're going to come over here. We're going to build our communities. We're going to crush it because we're planning for the next 100 years.
1: Mm, okay. And how does that work out on the ground, I guess, with regards to policy and with regards to investment? Um, what, what are some of the things that are that are emerging now or, or some of the things that, that people might be excited to, to hear is going on?
0: yeah well with the conscious conservative movement because we have um connections to folks who are in the white house particularly those who are affiliated with trump's um, black outreach They are our connection and our pressure on them actually um, compelled them to create a black agenda. And this is momentous because in the last 60, 70 years, Republicans have completely avoided anything related to black empowerment. So I celebrate that that accomplishment right there. My I, I of course, I have some issues with it because I don't feel like they are going through as strongly as they can um but that's that right there so in terms of policies the movement has put enough pressure on the uh the white house to create something that's going to directly benefit black americans so that's that respect um but this is just the first year of our movement so next year what we're doing is we're going to start working with local candidates who want to run for office so that they can bring whatever it is that they want to implement in their communities. We want to help them to convey that message effectively to their local areas, and then based upon that, we'll start to see hopefully more policies that work in favor of communities. So, um, you know, just for the first year, for us to get that kind of access to the White House, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think that's pretty uh, that's pretty big. And uh, it's just, we ante- anticipated growing much larger um, over the next 25, 50, hundred
1: years and uh, we might be up for a regime change if I bring it up again mm-hmm. our connection will probably break because it sounds like you have the <laughs> truth and the zoom gods <laughs> don't want it out there <laughs> <laughs> how, do, do your plans and your movement's plans significantly change under a Biden administration
0: um, or mm. a Trump
1: administration and, and how, how would things do you think it is going to change
0: yeah, um, we've prepared ourselves to be functioning and increasing regardless of who's in office. Yeah. So, um, you know, Trump getting another four years is not going to be any different than if Biden was in place. What we want to do is get black Americans to have such, you know, dynamic representation that if a Democrat leader is in office, we have a slew of black voters who can pressure them to present an effective Black agenda. And if it switches and we get a Republican in office, same thing, we have enough Black voters who can put pressure on them. So that's what we're trying to do. We we don't want to split the Black vote. We actually want to increase the number of Black voters. So uh, this year there are 30 million eligible Black voters, but only about half are going to engage this year. So we want to increase the numbers so that 30 million black people are voting, let's say 15 million Republican, 15 million Democrat. This way we always have political power, no matter who's in office. So um, we're trying to move in that direction. We're trying to get those black voters who are not always active in politics, we want to show that conscious conservatism is a viable option for them. And um, as such, they will start to vote for individuals who have that same um, ideals, those same philosophies. And uh, this is how we will increase. So to answer your question, we're not concerned with whether or not Trump is here or Biden. We're still going to continue to increase because we're we're coming from a... a black empowerment perspective as opposed to a republican empowerment perspective.
1: Okay, yeah. And how what what's the what's the hook? How do you get people engaged? In your experience, what really lights people up and makes them want to be a part of this? What is it it's about the, this?
0: It's the teaching. It's the it's the willingness for myself and someone else like Sunny Johnson to take the time to teach history, to teach empowerment. To um, really empower not just Black people but even white conservatives who have felt for so many decades like why do I keep getting called racist why do this why does this keep happening blah 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 I mean it, my my messengers uh, messenger it used to flood with white conservatives asking me what do they think this about me and and I'm just like <laughs> okay let me teach so it's actually okay. been the teaching portion that has attracted. So many uh, individuals to the platform and then allowing this kind of space where white conservatives can ask questions of, of black people and black people can express their frustrations. And everybody is just they feel like they have a place or a voice. And for that reason, more people are attracted to it. Because basically everybody is getting empowered in some way or another. Black Americans are empowered. White conservatives are like, Woof, thank God they're not gonna call me racist again. You huh. know, they just they're getting some kind of empowerment through the teaching. And as such, it just continues to grow.
1: So we we've already touched on it, but I wanna I wanna get it crystallized. What is mm-hmm. what allows these frustrating, uncomfortable conversations to go in the right direction? I've, I've mm-hmm. studied uncomfortable conversations that turn mm-hmm. into very abusive relationships. What causes yeah. us to go into a good, holistic, what causes everybody to come together? What's, what's really animating it?
0: Yeah, um, that's a good question. I don't know if I have the answer right now. I can just say that the teaching coupled with you know, if you get out of line on Twitter class, I'm going to block you. <laughs> I'm going to yell at you. <laughs> so maybe it's hmm. the fear of God. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Huh. I can't put my finger on it. I okay. just know whatever has been happening, it just works. And for some reason, people just feel comfortable. They feel the level of respect that um, comes from everyone. And, you know, if, the, if folks get out of line, I have no problem kicking them out of class and saying you're done, you know? Okay.
1: Yeah. And could you define empowerment? That's another Mm -hmm. slippery term that it sounds like you have a different flavor to what you're saying when, when I hear you say it, What, what does that really mean?
0: Yeah. Empowerment is like, it's being ministered to, it's being uplifted. It's Um, looking at your situation no matter how bleak and finding all of the good qualities or the good lessons from it that are going to cause you to increase in your social, political, or economic space. Um, Empowerment is looking at history from a very different lens and seeing not victims but victors. It's, um, It's really that mindset again and just picturing yourself um, the way you want life to be, and then moving forward in that direction, um, that's how we define empowerment. so when we're talking about black empowerment, we're saying like you know we don't we don't want to embrace that victim mentality instead we want to look at things very differently and see how we can subdue the resources that we have today to increase or to create a better future for our offsprings. Hmm.
1: I this might be too personal but I have to ask what was the uh, what was it that that what was that inspiration you you used the word Mm -hmm. you know you got infused by the spirit would you mind Mm -hmm. telling the story of of how this uh, coalesced in your Mm -hmm. heart or what happened yeah
0: so let's see. Where do I begin? Uh, um, I talked about how in 2016, I—that's really where I started talking more about being a black conservative on social media. Um, during that time, though, the Holy Spirit had asked me to launch a virtual Bible study, and um,
1: before we get into the the Bible study, you said that. In 2016, you started speaking about conservatism. Or mm-hmm. is it conservism? Con- conservatism? Conservativism. There's, there's this funky little syllable. In so
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh,
1: what prompted you to come out? Were you suppressing yourself before then, or what was the inspiration mm-hmm. for that?
0: No, um, pretty much everyone in my family knew that I was a black conservative. I was raised this way. My father has always been this way. This was our upbringing. Um, But what happened was because Obama was leaving, um, I had a lot of black voters who were in my audience at the time who would send me these messages and they were like, aren't you so sad he's leaving and maybe we should change our avatar to the Obama family. And I mean, I was just getting inundated with these messages and I finally just went on Facebook and I said, stop sending me this stuff. I didn't vote for him. I said I've never voted this way, and so, huh. needless to say, that post went viral. <laughs> <And>
1: so, <laughs> in a good way or in a bad way? I don't know. Hold on, uh, yeah. God. So any- God. God is teaching us patience with this. <laughs> yes.
0: So, anyways, <laughs> that's how it happened. It wasn't even like I was trying to come out. It was just I was okay. mad because yeah. people were, you know, doing that, and so next thing I knew. Hundreds of white conservatives were following me. Um, People were like, what's this? and And so next thing I know, I'm starting to talk more about my upbringing and how, you know, conservatism has just always been a part of my life. And then over time, I was I started teaching in the Bible study how we needed to allow the spirit to lead us in terms of our voting. And we needed to be conscious of um ensuring that we vote for someone who's going to enact policies that will benefit our communities and so from there it started to merge into this um oh Felicia's a part of this black conservative movement, and then from you know next thing you know, I'm you know the visionary of this this conscious conservative movement, <laughs> so that's how
1: okay how it it's kind of trickled into it,
0: yeah, yeah
1: are you do you do videos or is this mostly text-based stuff
0: so i used to do a lot of videos you can watch a lot of my archived ones on facebook but i don't do them as much anymore i I reserve them for the uh the network for those um, individuals who become members but a lot of my free content is tweets so i do a lot of text um and then we we're, we've started having um, an in person event in with a, the Solutionary Summit, so that's once a year. So those are pretty much the only times you'll see me on video talking anything like that.
1: Um, I I don't mean to be untoward, but. Mm-hmm you do really well on youtube you have uh, oh thank you you have the looks you had the voice you have the presence <laughs>
0: oh thank you thank you
1: translates very well to a camera even though oh, our thank connections you. so crummy hey <laughs> you're shining through it <laughs>
0: thank, you, you. thank you
1: could you talk about the solutionary summit um yeah
0: Yeah, so the Solutionary Summit is, um, the um, individual who started it is Maj Touré, he is the founder of Black Guns Matter, and he launched that move. well it's not a movement, it's an event, he launched it this year in September, and we were in Atlanta, Georgia, there were about 100 to 200 um, conservatives, libertarians. Um, some liberals but it was primarily a conservative black conservative movement where we just talked solutions the whole time and we had um, individuals different black republicans who are running for office they were present we had other folks um, who are part of fox news they were present during a panel i mean it was just an excellent opportunity for the public to meet some of the influencers and individuals who are on twitter and sharing our engaging information. So next year, Maj, he will host it in uh, Miami, I believe. So we're still waiting for those details, but this is pretty much the go-to black conservative, well, the conscious black conservative movement. Um, that's the go-to one that we will have every year.
1: And where should I send people? What, what are your, yeah. what's the product or what, what are these uh, things that you're creating?
0: Yeah. So your audience can go to FeliciaKillings.org. That's Felicia with two E's. And you can see a list of all of the um, wonderful things we're doing. We have in addition to the conservative movement, we have this women's movement where we are working with um, single mothers and also women who want to build online businesses and virtual ministries. So uh, we have that going on. I have different books that I've written. and, and if they want some really great engagement, they got to go to Twitter. <laughs> <I swear. laughs> they have to buckle their seat for that one. <laughs> what, what, is
1: it, what happens on Twitter? What, what, does that, uh, what does that bring out in you? How, how does that format work for you?
0: Twitter is just so exciting because things happen rapidly. Like If yeah. there's something trending, uh, myself, along with a whole slew of influencers or voices, We're all talking about it. We're all teaching something in some way. So I think it's the daily collective voices that just brings, you know, that great energy, um, you know, to this to the space
1: well thank you so much for uh your time and and your your testimony uh to be alliterative but also uh it does have a flavor for what you're uh sharing today um i would thank like you. to explore more of your community if you would uh mind sharing uh connections or or just telling me yeah, who, to, who to go after but uh as for my audience just to wrap up the episode uh, thanks so much for coming on
0: Yeah, thank you for having me. I appreciate it.
1: Congratulations for reaching the end of the podcast. If you enjoyed this product, consider donating to this channel via paypal.me slash Benjamin Boyce or joining me on Patreon. Also follow me on Twitter at Benjamin A. Boyce. Have a good night.